You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Today is seeing really believing, is seeing really believing, with guest preacher Reverend Jim Savage, today on Words of Encouragement. What an honor to be here with you this morning. I am thrilled to be at First Baptist by, by a show of hands, how many of you are actually here today? Okay, good. That's a pretty good turnout. I hope the rest of you will join us before we get too far into this, because I believe God's got something for us right here today. I want you to know that uh, I am the self-appointed president of the Craig Beeman Fan Club, so uh, I just appreciate your pastor more than I can begin to tell you. I question his judgment for inviting me to be here today, but I do appreciate that very, very much. I'm excited to spend this time with you. I'm required by Baptist law to share with you about my least favorite subject. When you go into a church that you haven't preached at before, you're required to let them know a little bit about you. So I've, I've got to talk to you about that. In uh, October this month, 1958, the greatest thing in my life happened for me. Uh, as a nine-year-old boy, I walked to the front of Wilmer Avenue Baptist Church in Anniston, Alabama, and to the best of my ability, as a nine-year-old, gave my life to the Lord. And uh, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that I had a grandmother, a godly grandmother, my mamaw, that was Jesus in skin for me. She taught me to pray. She, she taught me about um, Old Testament uh, prophets. We we used to pray, as you'll remember, uh, now lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And then she taught me about this Old uh, Testament uh, prophet whose name was Ephashadai. Do you remember Ephashadai? If you're in Alabama and you say that prayer is what it sounds like, now lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Well, it turns out it wasn't uh, about a prophet, but anyway, my mamma was incredibly special. Uh, and a few years later, uh, the second best thing that ever happened in my life uh, happened when I got to marry uh, Bibby. Bibby uh, is from up here, from Gilbert. I grew up in Baton Rouge, but she's from up here, and, and uh, people go, we go places, and people say, uh, hey, Brother Jim, hey, Bibby, what's going on? How are you? So my claim to fame in Franklin Parish is, is Bibby, and I, and I love her dearly, and I thank you, my love. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> that was a little timid, but I, th I know she appreciates that. <laughs> um, my background was teaching and coaching for a number of years. I, I teasingly say I, I felt uh, the call because my mamaw taught me when I was a little boy, from the time I could talk, she would say, Jimmy, what you going to be when you grow up? And I'd say, a Baptist preacher, mamaw, a Baptist preacher. So I said that through the years, and then I, after feeling that call, I fought that call for a long, long time and, and was a coach and a teacher and worked on the high school and college and even in professional football, and then in, with some great companies, some great Christian organizations in the business community. And finally, in 2017, uh, I had a chance to become the pastor at Sardis Baptist Church up here, and, and, and we spent a great five years there and loved that time. And great five years, and out of the six years we were there, that's not a bad percentage at all. 
I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It was fun. But <laughs> we, uh, we went to work with the people at, from First Baptist Church Gilbert with their uh, addiction ministry and loved that time with those men. And then God called us away to a new adventure. Now, he hadn't told us what that new adventure is yet, so <laughs> I hope you'll pray for us so we can be sure that we stay in his will. But I really am honored and thrilled to be here with you today because you know what? You really do matter to God. As a matter of fact, you matter so much that he put it in his word. Read this verse that you've seen so many times before. Read this with me, please. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He loved you so much that he created this day just for you. And he wants you to feel the joy in and through him. In Philippians, we're told to rejoice in the Lord always. And then it's reinforced, Paul said, and I'll say it again, rejoice. And then in Thessalonians, when we're told how to be in the will of God, it begins with rejoice always. And that's why what we're going to do today is we're going to share this joy out loud. I'm going to say this is the day that the Lord has made and you're going to respond enthusiastically and loudly. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I'm going to throw in a bonus for you. You've had questions about your peers in the room here and you've wondered about some of them. So I want you to look and notice those people who are particularly loud in their response. Those are the ones that love Jesus the most. <laughs> now, if they're not really loud, you better keep an eye on them. They might lead you astray. And if they don't do anything at all, we'll bring them up front and work with them individually and let them sit in this chair. Would that be a good thing? Yes? No? Okay. So I'll say the first part and you respond. We're going to do this three times and get a little bit louder each time. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Uh, there are some people that love Jesus. I like that. Thank you, for, th thank you for doing that, and thank you for loving Jesus so much. How many of you have heard the phrase, seeing is believing? How many of you would admit that? How many of you never heard the phrase? How many of you wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I ask? Okay, that's one, but that's okay. Uh, the point is, we have heard this phrase, seeing is believing, but... I've got to ask you the question, is seeing really believing? Well, not always. One of Ray Charles' favorite things when people would ask him, how you doing, or tell him something, he'd say, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, there's not a lot of seeing that he did. And by the way, when he was singing, I can't stop loving you, that was God. He was talking about, I can't stop loving you. Maybe. But anyway, the point is this. Seeing is not always believing. Look at this. Some of you have seen this before. If you have, be patient with me. How many of you see two women in that picture? Have you seen that before? Watch carefully. If you look closely, there's an older woman and a younger woman. There on the uh, left-hand side, you'll see a younger woman looking over her right shoulder. You'll see her chin at the bottom of the circle. You'll see her ear. You can see her eye. Everybody see the younger woman? We good with that? Okay, let's take a look at the older woman. One more. 
At the bottom of that circle, you can see her chin, and then her mouth, and then her nose, pretty good, pretty healthy nose there, and, and her eye and her hair, of course. Now, can you see those two women there? A minute ago, we struggled with that. We had trouble. Look at these white, uh, squiggly lines and tell me if you see anything. Some of you already do, but if I add two little lines on there, you can see Jesus. Sometimes we just have to look more closely. Watch this, if you would, please. Take a look at this moon. And let's take a little bit closer look. Look real closely now and see if you see anything in there. Look closer. See, sometimes that's the way our life works. We have to look and we have to look closer. And then sometimes we even have to get a little help. And the best place for us to get that help, of course, is from God's Word. We're going to be in the book of John today. We're going to be in chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 24 through 29. So if you would find that, please, in your Bible. And once you've found Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you get to Acts or Romans, you've gone too far, go back. But once you find the book of John in chapter 20, I'm going to ask you if you can and you're able, if you would stand in honor of God's word. Hey, listen, this book was 1,500 years in the making. This book was written by over 40 people on three continents in three languages without one single mistake, without one single error. This is God's manual. This is God's guidebook. This is God saying to us, here are my expectations for you. So we need to pay close attention to what he says to us in this book. John 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, one of the disciples, called the twin, was not with the other disciples, when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, and, and now don't miss this, don't, let, don't just read over these words that you've seen so many times. What did they just say? Hey, we've seen the Lord. Is there somebody you haven't seen for a long time? Is there somebody that was dead that you've actually seen? Is there somebody that you're excited about seeing? Hear, hear the tone of their voice, not just see the words. Hey, we have seen the Lord. And you know what Thomas's response was? He said, oh, yeah, right. Unless I see the hands, in the hands, the print of the nails and, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Well, just eight days later, his disciples were together again and Thomas was with them and Jesus came the doors being closed, Jesus came right through those doors, appeared right there with them. And Jesus stood in their midst and he said, peace to you. And then he called out Thomas right away. I mean, I, I can, see, can you see him walking over to get a little closer to Thomas with all the disciples there? And he said to Thomas, reach your finger. Unbelieving, but be believing. And look at Thomas's response. 
my Lord, my God. Can, can you see the tears coming down his face? Can you see the, the fact that his unbelief has turned in such great belief when he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you so very much for your precious word. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your presence right here, right now. You speak to us, and whatever would distract us from hearing from you, we pray that you would remove it. Help us be drawn close to you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And then they sat down. Let's go back to our question. Is seeing really believing? Well, what did Jesus just tell us? He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Can you imagine? It, the Bible's not clear whether Jesus actually put Thomas's finger into the nail scars in his hand or whether he was overcome by just seeing those nail scarred hands. But the fact is, Jesus did reinforce that Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's what we're talking about. We've said all of our lives, I'll believe it when I see it. No. When you see it, then you'll believe it. I'll, I want to share with you a sentence. And this sentence, and I'm not being overly dramatic here, this sentence will change your life if you'll let it. Not because I said it, not because I wrote it, because this is directly from God's book. Here's the sentence. Believe and trust through faith and focus to loving obedience. Would you read that sentence with me, please? Starting with believe. Everybody loudly. Believe and trust through faith and focus to loving obedience. How many of you uh, have seen these fields around here? Of course you have. This, this is the 60 or so acres right behind our home, and you can see what that looks like. Do you believe that that can be anything other than dirt and grass right there? Is there any belief? Is there any trust? Do you really think that at some point in time it could look like this? Sure, that's what we see, but do we believe and trust that? Somebody does. Our farmers do, because this is what it looks like now. It comes right back to this, and we need to see and believe and trust Again, this is called a mosh pit. <laughs> I don't know if you have heard or seen these before, but what happens is that some of the rock and roll concerts, one of the musicians will step off of a perfectly good stage and dive into a group of people and expect them to catch them. Have you ever seen this? It uh, takes a lot of belief and trust, right? <clears throat> Ron, but thank you for playing. It takes sheer stupidity to jump over there. But some people do that because of what they see, they think, they believe, they trust. This is Niagara Falls. How many of you have seen Niagara Falls? Just out of curiosity. Good. Very good. Now, if you will look on the upper left-hand side there by the red arrow, you'll see um, about 100 people 
that are gathered to look at this Great Falls. It's quite a sight. It's amazing. Now, this is a different view, basically, from where those people are standing. And if you look in the bottom of the falls where the water is gone, you can see a, a, a ship down there. It's not a boat. It's a ship. And you can see how big it is in comparison. Now, this is a man walking across Niagara Falls. <laughs> we, you can see it because they do it. Is belief required? Probably. Does he have to trust that rope and the other things around it? Most likely. And I agree with somebody when you say, yeah, that might be sheer stupidity again. But the fact is, people walk a wire or rope across Niagara Falls. This is Charles Blondin. He's the first man to walk across Niagara Falls. In 1860, he walked 1,100 feet all the way across Niagara Falls. First one to do it. Then, when he got back to where he started, he grabbed a wheelbarrow and was blindfolded and walked across again. When he got back to where the people were waiting for him, they were in awe and amazement. And he said to them, how many of you believe that I could take this wheelbarrow across the falls? And they all, oh, yeah, absolutely. They raised their hands with excitement. He said, okay, who's ready to get in the wheelbarrow? No hands. <laughs> Nobody was willing to do that. You see, belief that we're talking about in this sentence is not just a thought or an idea that we hold in our mind. Belief is a thought or an idea that holds our mind. Here's what God's book tells us about belief. And, uh, in Romans 10, 9, it says... If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, don't just go by that because you've heard it before. This is so important. If you believe, really believe in your heart, the biblical heart that's being talked about there is our mind, our emotions, and our desires. If you believe that Jesus died on a cross for you, Jesus is Lord, that he took all your uh, consequences, he took all your punishment on him, if you believe that in your mind, in your emotions, and in your desires, and you believe that God then raised him from the dead, see, his death on the cross removes our sins, his Defeating death is being raised from the dead is what guarantees you and I eternal life. If you do that, you'll be saved. What does that mean? We say saved from sin. What are we talking about? Listen, fear, doubt, worry, shame, regret, guilt. Those are the ways we see, we observe that our sins are manifested. Would any of you besides me be willing to admit that you've Felt, fear, doubt, or worry? Not more than 10 times a day. How about shame and regret and guilt? We deal with those things. If you do, that's not God's choice. Jesus died to save you from those feelings because those feelings are shown, observed, manifested through sin. See, we've got to understand when we're talking about belief, we're talking about accepting something as true and genuine and real. No, 
We're talking about, for our purposes, accepting Jesus as true, genuine, and real. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's true? A belief is to have confidence in something or someone. No, the belief we're talking about is to have confidence in Jesus Christ. This is where we start. This is the belief as it begins for us. Listen, evil exists. You can call it Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, fallen angels, evil incarnate. But listen to me, evil believes in God. We're talking about, for our purposes, a belief that leads us to trust. Trust. What are we talking about? What does God say about trust? He shows us in uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, again, a familiar verse, don't miss it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, you probably memorize this, is acknowledge him. Uh, some of the translations say submit to him. The original language word says acknowledge and submit to Jesus. And if you do that, guess what? He's going to take care of your life. He's going to make your path straight. Not going to make them easy. Not going to mean that they're not lumpy. Not to mean that there's not problems, but he will make your path straight. And that's what's so vitally important. Let me ask you this question. Who do you trust? Who do you have in your life that's dependable? Who do you have in your life that makes you feel safe, both physically and emotionally? That's the kind of trust that we're talking about. When we say that, we're talking about Jesus. Is Jesus dependable and trustworthy? Does he make you feel safe physically and emotionally? Of course he does. Of course he does. And, and here's the challenge. Here's what we're asked to do. When we trust, that means placing your life in God's hands. Through Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what, where everything begins. That's the start. That's where we get going. And when we place our life in God's nail-scarred hands through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we begin to see God's hands in everything in our life. Eventually, that's what comes to happen. But sometimes we feel... Like this fellow right here, huh? You ever felt that way? Yes, absolutely we do. But we're going to hang in there. That's what we're told to do when we trust in God is to hang in with all our might. And when I saw this picture, I had to use it and share it with you because this, to me, is a picture of First Baptist Church, Winsboro. This is the way that you love people into hanging in there. This is the way you encourage others with that loving hug, with really sincerely caring about the people in your life. Now, if you're with me, you should be asking the question, okay, Savage, that makes sense. Belief that leads to trust. And, uh, uh, but, but, but how do I hang on? How, how do I keep my faith, tr belief and trust? Through faith. What does God tell us about our faith? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about 
what we do not see. When we talk about faith, we wonder, is it even possible to have the level of trust and belief that we want? And the answer is no, until we understand the faith that's alive for us. See, faith is acceptance without complete understanding. This is important, so I'm going to say it again. Faith is acceptance without complete understanding. There's not always proof for what we truly believe in. Look, do you always understand God's plan for your life? Do you always know what he's doing in your life? Do you have the faith to move forward without complete understanding? Bibi and I met a great lady um, over in Texas. We were at a friend's funeral, and this lady says, you know what happens in our lives? We give our life to the Lord, then we spend the rest of it trying to wrestle control away from him. Don't we? Oh, Lord, I'm giving this to you, but not now. I've got to get over here and get something done. We, we have got to learn to have the kind of faith that matters, that, that truly makes the difference. You see, the thing we need to remember about faith is this. Faith is a demonstrated in the fruit of what happens in the dark. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says what? Some of you know it. It says, live by faith, not by sight. Would you be honest enough to admit your belief, faith, and trust sometimes fade? Would anybody be honest enough to admit that? Well, how do we prevent that? How do we overcome this fading? What do we do when doubt creeps in to our thinking? Let's see what God says. God says in Isaiah 26, 3, you, God, will keep in perfect peace those of us whose minds are steadfast, are focused because they trust in you. It's this focus that we move away from. We get distracted, and it happens to us on a consistent basis. How many of you have ever been to a sermon by the devil? Somebody said, I'm in one this morning, I think. I'm not sure. But, but <clears throat> if you ever happen to be in one of those sermons, and we, we get them presented to us, whether we want to or not, uh, the devil uses alliteration, <laughs> like some of the great preachers do. He, he, he lets the lesson start with the same letter. And the Satan, evil, the devil, preaches to us about distraction, deception, and disruption. That's the way he destroys our focus, by distracting us from what's most important. Oh, I'm going to study my Bible today, but, you know, I got this meeting. I got to get ready for the meeting. I got to get to the meeting. Oh, I got to spend some time with my spouse, my children, my grandchildren. I've got to do all these things and we get distracted or we get deceived. Oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be great. You're going to have a great time. And we get there and it's nothing like that. And our life is disrupted. You see, we don't always recognize evil distractions until those distractions and those disruptions and those deceptions have done us great harm. Right. Lust begins slowly. 
Bitterness overcomes us gradually. We start telling half-truths that become complete lies, and of course we've got to keep everybody informed about all the things that are going on in other people's lives. As Christians, we couch that gossip by saying, oh, we need to pray for Bibby. And then we go on and tell all the things that she's done that need praying for because we can't wait to get that out. That's what Satan would have us do. That's the way he distracts us. The result or the outcome or the consequence of belief and trust through faith and focus is this. When you're willing to not be distracted, deceived, or disrupted, what happens for you in your life when you believe and you trust through faith and focus is loving obedience. That's the result. That's the outcome. What did God say? Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commands. So that's the Ten Commandments, right? Again, wrong, but thank you for playing. That's the Old Covenant. The New Covenant is when they said to Jesus, which is the most important of the Ten Commandments? And he said, a new commandment I give you. There are two things that you must do. You must love God and you must love others. I'm going to submit to you that you can't love God and love others without being deeply involved in the other commandments, but this is where it starts because this is what Jesus told us. This is where it begins. Think about it. Did you have to come to church today or did you get to come to church? Did you have to go to Sunday school or did you get to go? Do you have to go on Wednesday nights or do you get to go? When you get up in the morning to go to school or work, is it, I gotta go there today or I get to? How do you truly, sincerely feel about God in your life? Is it done, what you do for Him, is it done from a want to or a get to? Is it done from a want to or a have to? Here's the beauty of it. The choice is yours. And when you make the right choice, here's what happens. Then you can say, as Thomas did, my Lord and my God. You, First Baptist Church, Winsboro, can say, my Lord and my God. Would you say that for me, my Lord and my God? That's what we get. That's what we get to say. I told you earlier about Charles Blondine being the first one to cross Niagara Falls. Let me read to you real quickly the newspaper clip. It's only about six sentences, so hang on. This is from the Akron Beacon Journal on Friday, September 14th, 1860. And it says, Charles Blondine, acrobat today performed the incredible stunt of crossing the Niagara Falls on a tightrope high over the water. He made several trips across, one of them while blindfolded, pushing a wheelbarrow. The rope used by Blondine was 1,100 feet long. That's almost four football fields. That's from here to the Chinese restaurant. I mean, it, it was a long, long way. And it was strung up 160 feet high. That's three times the height of this facility right here, above the roaring water. And a huge crowd held its breath as it watched this Frenchman in his daring, dangerous feats defying gravity. Do you remember I told you to ask if anybody would get in the wheelbarrow? Well, his manager would not get in the wheelbarrow. But he was such a strong promoter 
that he agreed to go across the falls with Blondine. And he got on his back. And if you look closely, you give you a closer look there, you can actually see the wire and the water so you don't think that's just a made-up picture. Don't think they had Photoshop back in those days anyway. But the fact is, he rode his back all the way across and all the way back. Nobody wanted to get in the wheelbarrow. But here's what we're talking about today. And here's my question for you. You see, Jesus is asking, will you get in the wheelbarrow? Will you trust him enough? Will you let your belief be so strong that it turns into sincere, true trust? And you keep it going through your faith and your focus on him so that you might be lovingly obedient. When we do that, that's when we have a chance to be able to say, my Lord, my God. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. We do hope that you have been encouraged today. Encouraged to trust in Jesus. Encouraged to put your faith in God. Uh, listen, there's, you know, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of things, a lot of situations in our world uh, where we have to lean on something. And many times we lean on our own understanding. The Bible tells us not to do that. Uh, we lean on uh, other people's opinions or other people's uh, views. And we're not really to do that either. We're to lean on God to put our faith and our trust in Him. That means, look, that means we do it. We don't just talk about it. We don't say we lean on the Lord. We do lean on the Lord. We do it. So I'm encouraging you to do that if you will just simply lean on the Lord. That's the message this morning that you just heard from Brother Jim Savage. Uh, we do hope that you are walking with the Lord and that you're putting your trust in Him. Uh, there are a lot of things to put our trust in, but God is the safest, and He loves us, and, and He knows us, and He can take care of things that we cannot take care of. Uh, we're better off with our situations in His hands than in anyone else's hands anywhere else. That's our prayer, that you're walking with Jesus. Tune in next time for Words of Encouragement from the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana.